sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think all three of us are calling in from a remote location. First, if my audio quality is not very good, I want to apologize because I'm on a uh, Plantronics headset. However, however, out here, out here in the wilds where my retired uh, mom and stepdad live, I don't know why we don't have this where I live, but they have super fast internet. They've got the 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 GTV. It's some weird thing I've never heard of, but they've got like fibers or something. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you should sound better than ever. Yeah. When I come out here is when I really look forward to uploading to Google Photos. It just really quick. <laughs> Gonna drive over to the grandma's house and upload some, some yeah. fiber. That's right. That's that's what the millenniums are up to. There, there used to be when in in our day. Well, in my day, you would go to your grandmother's house to do laundry. Now it's so that you can upload your videos <laughs> to, and your photos. To Google Photos. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to Google Photos. Exactly. Uh, well, uh, you know, this week, where where you did it this week, Matt Ray? I am in lovely Wellington, New Zealand. Uh, I last week I was in Singapore and Melbourne, and you know, uh, to later today I'll be in Auckland. I'm I'm seeing all the sites. Next yeah. week I'm going to Canberra. It's awesome. To to where? Canberra. What's that? Australian Capital Territory. It's the capital of Australia. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? If you dig down into the metrics on our downloads, 37 downloads in Canberra. Wow. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe you can have one of those awkward little meetups where like two people show up and there's the one person with the fanny pack and you just sort of like, you know, make small talk. No, I don't want to spoil it, but right now I've got nine people registered for my talk. Bam! (laughs) Is this going to be on uh, compliance as code? Uh, I think I was just talking about automate, just the the whole platform. Oh, just but, automate. Uh, You're just you know. like you know you know what you should do fucking automate that shit. Are you well, yeah, are you still yeah, manually we, SCPing things over your FTP? Don't do mm. that. Don't do that. Yeah. Have you heard of YAML? YAML? Anyone? <laughs> Raise the hands. YAML. Okay. Yeah. All right. To the bar. <laughs> That's pretty much how my meetups go. So, how would yeah. you typify in in your new do, do you do you over there in Chefland? Do you say theater geo? What do you say? Oh, uh, you mean like? I guess I just, just kind of say region. Region. Okay. Yeah. Now, so it, we've got you know North America, EMEA, and APAC. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. I always love the EMEA. I, it's just like you know what? Basically, if you're selling to France or Denmark or I don't know or, Mozambique. All the same, no problem. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm in New Zealand, and yesterday or last week I was in Singapore, and I'm talking about going to Korea. Not exactly a unifying theme there. No, no, that's true. That's true. Now, yeah, but isn't APAC actually like when you, at least as the United States sales people break it up, isn't the region of APAC actually much bigger than the region of EMEA? Because it's like yes. if you go all the way from like the bottom of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Would it be like Singapore, like or Japan. It's like it's pretty long, right? Isn't it like a yeah, ten-hour yeah, flight or something? Uh, Whereas most of me is just mostly North Africa's heart, as far as you can go, right? So it's not actually, you're not actually, really in the Congo. Right? Well, um, we do have South Africa. We have a fair amount of business there. Mm. Um, it's actually. That's no, that guy. It's the my, guy that covers that stationed in London, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah that's fine. You're just a Mia, and he has to go all the way to South Africa." <laughs> like, yeah, here, here, here's a 14 hour flight. See ya. 
<laughs> it's like you're you're four hours from New York, but somehow you're like you're the guy that has to fly to South Africa. That's awesome. Pretty much, yeah. But you know, in all fairness, you know, Seattle is closer to Tokyo than I am. So mm. I can uh, I can see Russia from my back porch. <laughs> I don't know who would get Russia. Yeah, you know, now that you've it, been over to Matt Radio. Do you feel like have have you? Uh, become like one of those guys who are like oh you stupid americans you just like think everything there are no people like what did somebody once tell me there are no amians like there's no like no one calls himself an amian it's just an american word you know it's like there's all these different countries and like we in our our united states american way of thinking we just like lump all these people together that have nothing to do together have you become one with that train of thought <laughs> um I understand why they get lumped together, but yeah, there's nothing similar between, uh, you know, um, how am I going with, uh, you know, nothing similar between Malaysia and, you know, New Zealand and Australia and Japan. There's, you know, they're, they're only located together by time zones. And and so, uh, you know, I mean, you got to do something, right? Uh, but, but as you see, like, uh, I, I think, you know, starting to dive into the news a bit, you know, Microsoft just laid off, what, 19,000 people? Is that you true? Know, I haven't kick- seen that. Yeah, yeah. So they, they kicked off their, their financial year, July 1, uh, with a big round of layoffs um, to kind of, you know, reform their sales. And, and uh, you know, it's all about Azure these days. And so I guess they're getting rid of, I don't know, the Windows XP salesman. Um, but they, I, I was meeting with some of the folks over there in Singapore, and I was like, oh, yeah, when I get back to Australia, you know, I'll meet up with your counterparts. And they're like, no, 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 Australia is its own thing. We manage Southeast Asia, Korea, and New Zealand. And I was like, what kind of weird get-up is that? Because Japan and Australia are on their own. You know, and Korea can't be with Japan, and New Zealand can't be with Australia. So... You know, as you get bigger and bigger, you kind of carve it up a little more and more. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. It's regions fun. and and yeah, regions. And but this really is kind of like love. inside the uh, you know inside the game of enterprise sales. Like really, what goes on is until like a specific country gets some real traction. It's just like we got you know like some like a finance guy's like we got room for one guy somewhere in asia pacific and the number <laughs> yeah but they usually make the number like reasonable they're like okay oh yeah yeah we're gonna yeah. give this guy like x you know this quota that we think is reasonable and we're gonna give him like you know the biggest possible territory and then you know i don't know right you can jump in there but it's sort of like you just kind of tell the guy like okay go go find some con- some customers in this broad area and you can kind of yep. go wherever you want just like find money and then if yep. you find enough money in like one country then you get to the point where they start to have like a country manager they're like you know actually if we had someone that spoke japanese and could go all over and talk to these people and understood the sales and customs um, we'd probably make more money right but there has to there's this like leap of faith right of like oh we have no idea what to do. So, and I and I do think this is why like most American companies like start in Sydney. They're like, well, at least they speak the same language, right? You know I mean? It's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we, I mean that that's the life I'm living right now. So you know there are we have really big customers in Japan and New Zealand and Australia, and you know there are large swaths of places like you know China and India that. Don't get a lot of attention, but there's a lot of usage there. 
Um, just because it's like, that's too hard to break into. Um, so, you know, uh, almost everything we do over here is with partners. So I spend a lot of time working with partners, which is good. Um, but yeah, Australia was easy. You know, um, I was asked, how, how about Singapore? You, you know, and I was like, nah, Australia would be more fun and easier, but just means I'm more time on a plane. Mm. Now, and, and now, not to be all industry analysts, more on you here, dynamics of the industry. But like, like so what, how do, how do you think, how do you think like having an open source project changes, changes your, uh, your geo expansion? Like, like you're, you know, if you had a closed source thing, you've got to kind of go hustle people to actually like check it out. But in theory, right. you got, you got, uh, you got your, what do you got? Your, uh, your Git pulls from, from all the globe or something for, sure, for your, sure. your codes. So how, how's that work out? Well, I mean, uh, what's interesting is, you know, I try to do a lot of community events. Um, you know, uh, DevOps Days, I think I'm doing DevOps Days Singapore, DevOps Days Bangalore, and DevOps Days New Zealand, probably. And I did Tokyo. Uh, but then you start to get things like DevOps Days Manila. And I think Bangkok might be trying to put one together. And it's like, well, you know, the source, the, the leads there are probably slim. Um, you know, uh, Kuala Lumpur, I'm looking at you, right? But um, the people who do buy there are usually going to be governments or banks, you know, because they're like, well, we've got a lot of nodes and we need to have somebody we can call. Um, so you, you, you'll get a couple of like really big customers, but probably not a lot of small ones because the small ones in, I mean, to overly generalize, um, they're perfectly happy to use the free stuff and spend the human capital rather than the, you know, the, uh, actual capital, um, on, on getting their stuff to work. So, you know, South America is kind of an example of that not a lot of software sales in South America, but Brazil and Argentina are just hotbeds for open source, like tons of contributors. You know, we get, you know, contributors all over South America and uh, Habitat, like two of the, the contri big contributors for Habitat are from Vietnam. You know, and Vietnam is like the place you go to undercut Bangladesh for T-shirts, right? <laughs> so they're not paying for software, but, you know, there is that market there of, of open source users. So, you know, you, you, you take what you can get. Um, you know, there, we, we just kind of call some countries more uh, price sensitive than others. Um, you know, you, you might get people in, in, uh, Singapore to pay list uh, or Tokyo, to, you know, Japan to pay list, but probably not India. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, back to the Microsoft <laughs> thing, like what, 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 what do y'all make? It's, it's according to the news I've read, it says that most of the, the layoffs are like outside of the U S like, what, what do y'all make of that? Is is that uh, does that just is that just a law of whatever numbers that like there's more people outside of the U.S. or is it sort of like we we don't we don't under, we can't get these Ameans to return our phone calls like what what uh, what's going on with that? <laughs> um, my understanding is there you know as they push more and more Azure, some of that goes to inside sales self sales. Mm. Um, so you know some of the sales staff and and support staff are. A little redundant um but uh i don't know I, I i it's probably just you know they're evolving and a lot of the people have to skill up and change what they do to meet their new products you know everybody does that um you know probably as as you're you know i 
you know, meeting with, with other enterprise software companies that are kind of making that transition from, you know, selling, you know, hardware or databases or whatever and moving into cloud. It's like there are salespeople like, you know what, I can hit my number selling last year's hotness over and over and over again. And eventually, like, they missed the whole boat as the company transitioned. So I don't know. Yeah, I just like read between the lines and just I think it's just they're reconfiguring the sales force. So they're probably pulling back on a you know, I don't think they're get, by no means getting rid of, but they're probably pulling back on a direct sales force, right? Trying to, um, you know, be be where they need to be, but not have quite as many people out there. And just, you know, probably like everyone there trying to t- capitalize on digital marketing techniques inside sales and things like that. So, so it's kind of always it's always interesting because, you know, on one hand, you have like you know, a company like Microsoft pulling back, right, and then. You know, Amazon, who just seems like in the opposite position, right? For a long time, they didn't have a direct sales force. Or, I mean, they've had it for a while, but they've definitely been, I think, um, cautious in adding that. So they've been building one out. So it's just like, you know, everyone's trying to find that right model between, like, do you need a Matt Ray in, in Asia Pacific or do you, uh, uh, can you do it remotely? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I know we have uh, in, in the Tola region, we've got an out. Outstanding as an unfilled filled sales position. So for all those listeners who are Microsoft salespeople, I'm sure there's a lot. Of <laughs> that I'll, I'll I'll get my uh, my tidy little referral. You should email me. Come sell yep. software, high touch white glove stuff, which I guess they're not yeah. doing over there. If, if if you like selling SharePoint, <laughs> come work for Pivotal and sell. Mm. That's that's not a good pitch. That's not a good pitch. That's not good. I don't like that one. No, no. I think there's plenty of other things. Well, and and then meanwhile, I think I think since last we recorded, they uh, Microsoft released its own container service. Now, I don't uh, know if this is Kubernetes, so it doesn't fit, nope. fit into that. But it it is containers, and uh, yep. we I, you know we talked a little bit about this, not we we, but uh, we of uh, me uh, earlier this week on the Pivotal Conversations podcast. And I thought, you know, the the thing that I was curious about is like, so how. How like what what is a container service versus already like a cloud service thing? I mean, and and I think the conclusion is, well, it's right there in the name. It's just like it, it runs <laughs> containers for you. <laughs> like don't overthink that. Like like maybe our all of our analysis from now on should just be like trying to decipher the headlines uh-huh. and and would just never touch the register cuz we'll never know what's going on but oh, from yeah, the headlines yeah. but yeah. uh we'll have to read the boot notes <laughs> but yeah yeah i i mean so is that a, is is my assumption correct that it's basically like yeah it just runs a container for you like you get you give yeah. it a container image and i guess you give it some configuration to inject and then and then it it boots up and it runs on demand right like i assume part of it is that if it's not actively being processed, it'll like spin it down, and then you don't have to pay so much for it or something. Mm, I don't. I don't know about that part. I know. Um, I mean, I, I don't know when it decides to shut things down for you. Uh, they. So so Microsoft announced a new Azure uh, container integration. Something I'm not exactly sure sure what it was called, but uh, um, the way. My understanding, as your container instances, um, the way the way it works is rather than have to go and stand up, you know, Swarm or Kubernetes or you know, if you've used Azure Container Services before, um, the way it works currently, or last time I was on, which is probably out of date, um, is 
you would say, well, I'm going, you know, I plan on using containers. Let me go use this ACS thing. And it's like, oh, you're going to need four instances to, you know, run your Kubernetes uh, cluster and, you know, let us know and we'll keep those four instances up and running and you can SSH into them and all that fun stuff. But then you have like this thing that you are now managing, right? That's not my definition of a managed service to yeah. have somebody stand something up for you and hand you the keys. Um, and, and so this new, this new service is, well, you just, you know, say, Hey, I need this container running and it's like, I'm doing it. I got it for you. Um, <clears throat> and so it's, it's much less intrusive. Um, it's closer to what, what Amazon was already doing with ECS. ECS doesn't ask you to manage anything. You know, you just, you know, fire things into it. Uh, at least that was my recollection. Um, yeah, you know, I've been away for a couple of months, and uh, but but what you get now is just like, oh, I need some containers to run. Go run these, and it goes off and runs them, and never tells you anything about where they're running or how they're running or and that stuff. Um, so it's, I assume that there's some way to you know tell things like finish. You know, maybe you can do batch processing this way, and it just goes off and schedules your stuff for you. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of halfway between, you know their old ACS service and serverless and the fact that like you don't have to manage anything anymore and you just, you know, fire containers off into the ether and they run for you. And that's pretty cool. Um, I expect, expect it's probably running like Kubernetes under the covers or, or, you know, something similar since, uh, uh Brendan Burns is, is associated with it. Um, and I expect over time they'll expose more of the ability to do multi-node stuff. That was one of the things that, uh, I didn't see in my, you know, reading of three or four articles about it. Um, but, but I, I, you know, it's, it's definitely that managed service experience that people actually want. You know, I, that was one of the turnoffs I had for ACS was having to manage something for myself. Now, now is um, it, so, so, so if I had like, like in the, the one in my extensive research, Matt Ray, the one thing I read mm -hmm. is like, whoever was talking about this was, was very clear that it's not an orchestration service. So does that mean that if I had a, uh, if I had a, I don't know what is, is a, a Docker swarm or a, uh, or a Kubernetes of some sort, maybe, maybe, uh, even a Mesos something like with that layer on top and, and like inject the containers into this thing or like, how would I orchestrate using this? Um, I didn't see anything that made it, made me think that it was doing multi-node stuff yet. Mm. So it's still really lightweight and small. So if you have things that require one container at a time that don't talk to other containers, which is fine. You know, a lot of the early Docker workloads were, hey, I have, you know, this big data set and I want to throw, you know, 50 processors at it, you know, for this batch job. And everyone can just bite off a chunk and, you know, there's no um, orchestration between them. Um, so I don't think there's like a central orchestrator yet. Okay. Uh, the there probably will be, you know, probably, probably, like speaking out of my ass, which is what I do, um, probably they're going to take this and add, you know, Kubernetes pods on top of it eventually and get rid of the whole ACS manage your own Kubernetes stuff because right, right. that's, that's kind of wonky. And what I really want is just, hey, if I throw, you know, individual containers at you, you handle them. And if I throw a pod definition at you, you handle that. So, so to do so to do some forward-looking posterior analysis, 
what 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 we should sort of be like on the lookout here for is is well other than failure that's something you always want to be on the lookout for but the two things are one microsoft has some sort of container orchestration thing on top of it that that basically starts to smell like the underside of a platform right like like it's, it's kind of coming up to the platform thing there second this is an and or situation there would be like integrations and sort of business and technical partnerships with other orchestrators, right? Who would be like, like, I'm kind of making this one up. Just it's, I don't know if it makes sense, but you might have the old Heptio people who are like, Hey, we run microservices for you. And now we have this integration where like, we will spin up some, we will control how your microservice components are deployed in the Microsoft container service. Now, that's a little like, I don't know what, but like essentially there would be other things that would just treat uh, in the same way that other things might treat just like your EC2 VM as a thing that it manages. It might treat the, the various containers you have in your, uh, your Microsoft container services that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll spring load <laughs> that mousetrap for the future, but, but. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, there's definitely, there, there, there is uh there's a GitHub project that'll tie ACI to your Kubernetes, so you can use it as the backend. Uh-huh. Um, and so I could see, I could see people like like Heptio and you know other people who are in that Kubernetes space. You know, they're going to help you onboard your workloads and figure out you know what's wrong, jiggle the wires for you on this setup. Um, but eventually, you know, Microsoft probably wants to own more of that infrastructure. So there's less, you know, oh, let us, you know, fine tune your Kubernetes. And they're like, you know what? We got your Kubernetes. You just move on to your workloads. <laughs> um, because, right, that's, you know, if, if you think you're going to make your money installing Kubernetes or OpenStack, um, <laughs> you're probably not long for this world, um, you know, unless you're like, all in on enterprise. If you think you're going to be servicing cloud versions of it, you know they're they want to be fully self sufficient. Right. That just becomes another version of private cloud, right? I mean, that's all that yeah. would become. Right? Yeah. If that's if that's a market that you want to get into. Because I mean, I think all of this is comes back to, it's like we're in the dark tunnel. We're in the middle of the dark tunnel. It's still not 100% clear, like what exactly container orchestration, like what that means, what it should include. So like each time something is launched, right? It's kind of like slightly different than the other thing, and then. In three years from now, yeah. it'll be much more obvious to us that, like, oh, okay, this is the feature set of container orchestration, and there'll be like two or three of them that do it, do all of that, per, you know, do yeah. it well. But it's just like in the middle, it just looks like, man, it's totally confusing. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, I think your phrase was this is my new favorite phrase for this, Matt Ray, is jiggle the wires. I feel like <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I, I mean, I think maybe all over there at Chefland are sort of like the professional, like can can be used partly for professional wire jiggling, right? Like not, 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 not exclusively, but you know, you can, you can misappropriate the use of something to just be more advanced scripting, but hopefully that's not the majority of people. But, uh, but you know, I feel like competitively all three of us in our ostensible day jobs, we probably compete pretty hard against wire jiggling. Like that's what everyone (laughs) is up to nowadays. They're like, they're like, yeah, I mean, I could give you a lot of money, or I could just keep jiggling these wires. So, what do you got for me? Yeah, like that man. People well, see, love jiggling wires. That's just that's what they're well, into. Well, and that comes back to this the the conversation earlier about you know regions you know regions and sales. It's like, yo, if your people aren't expensive, jiggling wires is cheap. 
And, and so, you know, competing against your own open source product becomes harder in markets where they're like, you know what, I got time to burn on, you know, ma- fixing this stuff by hand and patching these things and, you know, figuring out how to d- build and deploy Kubernetes and managing it myself. You know, that's that's why, like, you know, software gets sold in, you know, EMEA North America first because it's like people are going to spend more. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I, what, what I think is kind of interesting in the, this Azure play is like, how long until it shows up in Azure Stack? And that's going to be this whole realm of like weird professional services for Microsoft. Do they have enough people who can jiggle those wires, mm. you know, to figure out like, how do we get it to work on-prem with our product, with this Kubernetes stuff? And maybe you're rolling your own Kubernetes into here. I don't know. Um, so maybe, you know. That, there's and, not a lot, and, and, and then to continue the this. metaphor, we're we're gonna get a lot of old timers complaining. Like, you remember when you used to be able to fix your own car? Now we got to yeah. do this other <laughs> stuff, and it's there's, there's no jiggling wires. You hook this ODOM thing up, and like it's all computers. I love it when mechanics that, are like, I don't know, it's all computers. <laughs> and everything sounds better coming out of a tube amp. <laughs> uh, you know, but that that is. I mean, so as far as more forward-looking stuff, I mean, we we I think we follow this this private cloud is an actual thing trend pretty closely. I wouldn't say week to week because we don't record week to week always, but week to week, we we follow it. And and I noticed a uh, I noticed a high watermark, maybe not a high watermark, but that that uh, TechCrunch premier enterprise infrastructure software coverage site. Uh, there, there was actually a write-up. I think it, I think it was all qualitative. There was no like charts or anything, despite a proliferation of them. But, but I'll, I'll stop myself from editorializing tech news coverage. <laughs> People who'd write tech news are wonderful. I love them. But uh, you know, they, they, they basically there was an article that was like, "Hey, private cloud seems to be a thing," which which is pretty amazing. I, you know that uh, the, the we'll call it the mainstream tech coverage was almost conceding that private cloud was coming on, and so I think. I think we got a couple of angles there. You got the Azure stack coming out, right? You got some fancy wire jiggling, and then and then we've got the stuff that that we all see, right? And in our day to day, and our stuff is like, I think we talked about this last episode. And, you know, Brandon was saying like everyone wants to do public cloud, but for some reason, they go back to uh, they go back to the private cloud. They end up hmm. they end up doing that anyway. So I don't know. I think I think I think. So my my thing, I want I want to start tracking how often we see in the normal. Let's call it the tech crunch, maybe a little bit of a bloom. When once we have a Bloomberg write up, that's going to be the big time. When Bloomberg is like they they dispatch Ashley Vance or one of his this people, and and they're like private cloud, it's for real. Like that, that'll that'll be uh, that'll be if, that'll be seal the deal if that actually happens. I feel like those articles have already been written though. Mm-hmm. Like you know over you know the over the years with your know, OpenStack and. You know, probably Microsoft with their Azure Stack have probably been able to force a news cycle on private cloud. See that? Um, there you go. That's going to be the next test. Come September when it gets released, they'll be they'll be they'll round up all the analysts for commentary. They'll get this notion stuck in the journalists' heads, and then maybe there'll be a little bit of follow up. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, and and you'll start to see you know competitive analysis of you know OpenStack versus Azure Stack versus VMware. <laughs> <laughs> Good matrix. But I do think these articles sometimes, like, you know, we always, like, I think sometimes in technology, we just want to think, oh, there's just, you know, we're going to build great technology, the best technology will win, and, you know, it's sort of immune from the other natural life cycles that exist, like, in popular culture and in mainstream news. And it's like this, I think, just another example of, like, 
one, like there's, you know, we talked about this last episode. There's a strong set of people that human nature like want to like keep something inside the enterprise, right? There's just a whole group of people that work in enterprises that want to do that. So that's always hard to change. And then two, you know, with Amazon being just so successful that this private cloud is kind of the only interesting kind of counter narrative that you can write as a journalist, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to write the article like like the article of Amazon being the most important dominant company in the world has been written, you know, hundreds of millions of times. So if you're looking for like a new angle and, you know, Kote, you could maybe talk about this from an analyst. It's like you're trying to say something different, right? You're trying to say something different, or at least provide some new way of thought. And this sort of, you know, if you're just a journalist and you're like, I got, you know, 400 words I got to kick out before I go to dinner. You know, that's not such a bad thing. Like, oh, maybe AWS is maybe vulnerable, right? And you write something about private cloud and that there's these new things happening. And I think, again, journalists are very susceptible to that as well. So you know, yeah. sometimes none of the technology changes. It's just the, the people writing and deploying it or, or just thinking about it differently. Yeah. yeah. You got you to gotta have an uh, ongoing story, right? What, what was that? Uh, that, that was, I, I, read, I read that book about Steve Bannon. And that was one of the the more uh, the interesting. Devils. Yeah, the yeah, devils. and and that was one of the. I guess it was about the original Breitbart guy, but one of his. Uh, and and ironically, at a meta layer, maybe this was just the the journalist who wrote the book needing something cool to say. Who knows? But like, <laughs> it it was it was like uh, you know one of Breitbart's operating theories was that people don't want news events; they want to follow ongoing narratives. Which certainly yeah. uh, nothing's better than a uh, you know red versus blue. No, no pun intended. I guess absolutely, I guess and I think cool. this is where we could even go back, right? You could go back to you know that book. Maybe we talked a little bit about Sapiens, right? Where he even goes, you know, he really says that the the story, if you will, the narratives drive a lot of you know human innovation and culture and and all that. So, so sometimes I think when we're talking about this, like we should never like lose the fact that like although we're talking tech. Like the narratives still, we're susceptible to the same kinds of narratives. Like uh, everything inside the enterprise is dead. Public cloud is going to be the only thing. It's it's already happened. Everybody that isn't Amazon is going to lose, right? And then the narrative swings back. Oh, wait a minute, Amazon is susceptible, you know? And it's like the truth is is just it's boring. It's like the truth is like it's kind of a nuanced discussion with lots of details, <laughs> yeah. and like Matt Ray has to keep explaining these things to us, and we don't really get it. It's like you know, this is like the weeds podcast, right? We're like, ah, this is sort of like you know, a good helping of what's good for you, but it's not as compelling as like you know, some really exciting story. So yeah, you know, yeah. And, yeah. You know just, just to interject my standard rant, I mean, I went and looked through that article again. I mean, I feel like just put some fucking charts in there. Right, like you, you got to get some goddamn numbers, right? Like well, I and 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 you know they, they I, I got Charles King, he, he's a good analyst. I mean, they got quotes from two analysts. That's cool, right? And they're you know it's it's good to have an analyst be the uh, sort of wet finger in the wind about stuff. But like you can go pull some numbers that are publicly available from IDC or Gartner or whatever, and and like just something that would be an indication or survey stuff about like you could just. Jesus, if there's any journalist listening, just please hey, put hey, at Coach, least can one I, can chart I take a in an article like, like you know, this. Can I take a moment to plug our, our other, you know, our our uh, sure. our paid podcast? Hey, where, where we actually it's time it's time for the the mid roll. It's it's time for the little mid roll because I want to say, you know, uh, Coach and I actually went through. If if you're someone that's interested in like how to use charts, telling the story, maybe you're a journalist, maybe you you wrote for uh, an industry leading blog, and you wanted some some thoughts on how to do that. I think our second episode. Of our uh, 
of our paid podcast really goes into night night's death where to use charts how how you can use them you know it's uh, if i do say so myself it's it's very insightful so uh you know maybe we should uh, send over a free subscription to TechCrunch mm. and let them uh, you know, <laughs> you know i i, I haven't i actually wanted to i actually wanted to look up how to comp things in patreon and i'm not sure if it's possible because that would directly affect their business model but but yeah if you go to patreon.com slash sdt or you just go to the show notes you you can join the I think eleven lucky people who have Whoa. signed up, and uh, they can listen to the uh, the private what do we call it Brandon the software defined talk white paper exegesis podcast. So I think yes, uh, that's uh, that's what we're talking. We're not worried about the SEO obviously. we're not we're not. I think a key insight Brandon had about the long titles that I like to use is I like to use brief abstracts for titles. So I think that's that's true. Abstract or the abstract, yeah. yeah. But we'll be uh, recording another episode. I, we had a listener suggested one. I haven't even looked at it yet. Going over the IoT landscape, we got the first mm. one is about uh, about what digital transformation is and digital companies and some surveys about that and how people are doing. Then we went over a uh, a talk, the kind of stump speechy talk that I have and how I put it together and all the meta stuff about it. And uh, then you'll have a third one, but you can, you can subscribe for as little as a dollar, you know, a month. It'd be better if you subscribe for more, but uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can get access to, uh, to our members only thing. We'll see how that pans wow. out. But it's good. High quality content. I'm and, a fan. And then also while we're here, uh, I got another discount. I'm going to be speaking at uh, DevOps Days Nashville, which, as always, it would be great if I put the dates in here. But you should go look that up. DevOps Days Nashville, and they gave us a code that's all no spaces. 2017 Nash DevOps Days, and that'll get you $25 off registration. And I'll put some other links. I'm also going to be speaking at. Uh, I just booked this Insano Travel, the week of September. Uh, 19th. I'm going to be in Latvia speaking at the DevOps days there and also Kansas City speaking at that one. And uh, also if you want to, if you want to going back in time on August 17th, I'll be speaking at the Austin OpenStack meetup. This will be actually, see if you would listen, if you, if you're one of the people who listened to the second episode of the members only podcast, you'll recall that it's good. Like I like to go out and practice uh, giving a talk. Uh, so if you want to see me really fuck up my new talk, about enterprise architecture in a DevOps cloud native world. <laughs> That's what I'll be doing Hello, at the Austin, Austin. OpenStack meetup. And also, yeah. I'll add one more thing. The, the, they, they, were, they were rightly so hustling me to sponsor it, which is fine. I'll sponsor a thing. I got a corporate Amex. And, and, and they were like, oh, to buy some pizza. And, and, and I said, how about we buy some tacos? So we're going to get tacos, not pizza. So you should, yeah. you should come to that event. You got, any, you got anything you want to tell people about uh, Matt Ray? Oh man, um, I'm I'm on the road. Uh, so tonight, uh, last night was DevOps Wellington. Tonight is Auckland AWS. Uh, Tuesday the eighth, uh, I'm in Canberra at Infracoders. Uh, Thursday, August tenth, I'm at Sydney AWS Security. Thursday the August seventeenth, I'm at the Sydney Chef Meetup. Uh, Tuesday, August twenty second, I'm at the Sydney Cloud Native Meetup. I'm trying to squeeze in an AWS. AWS North Sydney uh, on the 23rd. Hopefully uh, that'll be up soon. Um, I'm going to be in Perth September 12th. I'm going to be at DevOps Days Bangalore, Singapore. Uh, I'm going to be in Brisbane. All the oars. All the oars. I'm going everywhere, man. I, I'm, I am cramming in. I, I believe I'm, I'm on track for about 20 meetups wow. for the second half of the year. 
Wow. So, uh, yeah, if you don't see me, it's because you didn't try hard enough. Bam! <laughs> Master of Asia pack. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, for, tho- for those who fun. weren't who who didn't slow this down to zero point five speed and take extensive notes, uh, we'll we'll put those all in the show notes available at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash one hundred and one, named after yeah. the highway of of software or something. So uh, we'll we'll put those all in there. So uh, you know, speaking of of ongoing memes, I've noticed that there's been a meme kept, uh, you know picking up maybe. Maybe not yet again, but slightly again. That that uh, that maybe there should be some antitrust stuff involved in the. I don't think this would apply to any of the the kind of boring inter- nerd enterprisey stuff that that we follow. But I'm guessing in the consumer tech world, right? Like, I don't know if Apple is on this list, but it seems like Facebook and Google and Amazon always come up. That like mm-hmm. these folks are getting too big. And there was actually, I'm sure everyone saw the the hilarious Onion article from yesterday where Jeff Bezos Bezos was like, you should chase your dreams so that I can crush them with, with a heartless stroke <laughs> of one pin, which, but I don't know, but it, it but it is like, uh, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, we mention this every now and then, but it'll be interesting to see if this, this sort of like meme picks up more and more to see if there's this notion that, uh, that these companies should be anti-trusted and, and, and broken up. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to like, uh, think about if it's good or bad because I, I mean, one, I'm really biased since I work for a vendor. So of course my notion is like, you know, should be hands off. Like I was reading this, here's how to be bold in politics. And it was like, we should have a 90, you know, what is it? A 90%, uh, uh, you know, tax rate for, for, uh, upper income people. And I was thinking like, well, if it's 90% for the upper whatever, and I am in like maybe the 90th percentile of tax people, What's that mean? My tax bracket is going to be so you know you, you got a little. Uh, let's be progressive, well, except not in my backyard. But yeah, you know, and and so much of America is you know aspires. They're like, oh yeah, I'm I'm almost in the one percent, so I'm going to vote that down. Yeah, yeah. Any, um, anyhow, anyhow, my whole point was that when it comes to antitrust stuff, I'm always a little confused. I mean, it seems like. Now, maybe you want to break up Amazon because they're not adding Kubernetes support fast enough, and this is clearly slowing <laughs> innovation. But it seems like there's a huge amount of innovation going on. And, you know, a thing that's commonly cited is, and I don't follow this at all, is that over in Hot Dog Land, like, Facebook was basically just like, oh, we'll just add that, we'll add hot dogs to Instagram, and then that harms Snap. And, like, I don't know, is that is that an antitrust kind of thing? Like, what what are you supposed to do about that? Well, I think the numbers, the number that's just interesting, you know, rather, antitrust sort of separate from this, is that, you know, I think the the number, or at least the one that's throwing around, is like Google and Facebook, essentially, you know, get half of all of the online revenue is spent between just those two companies. So, you know, if you're just thinking about any type of ad based company, right, that, or any, you know, I guess which is mostly the consumer side, right, is that that Google and Facebook just have such a giant proportion of that. That it's going to be difficult, right, for anyone. And I think maybe that if there's any argument to man is that any type of ad-based business, just because of the scale of like what mm-hmm. advertisers like Procter and Gamble like to work at, right? If they're going to buy Procter and Gamble is going to buy ads, you know, they really are going to call up their Google and Facebook reps and do the deals there, right? That that's going to be very difficult. 
which of course then is going to you know fuel their growth. So you either have to kind of have this organic growth come out of nowhere so that you can get to the size of a Facebook and Google, or you're just they're just going to essentially either buy you or you know in the case of Snap, right? They're going to just emulate your features because uh, you're just no way you can keep up. They've essentially got yeah. you know if you will their moat is their uh, and this is something we never talk about with these companies, but their moat really is their ad sales teams, right? Their ad sales teams, you know, it's like why would you know it makes total sense too if you've ever bought anything or tried to like you know, had to deal with a bunch of small vendors, you know what a nightmare it is. It's like, oh, it's so much mm-hmm. easier just to call up one guy, do one deal, and just like Google puts you everywhere and Facebook puts you everywhere. And then you go back, because again, it's all about PowerPoint slides. You go back to your your team and be like, yep, I got all, I did our digital spend. We got it all here. I got it on Facebook. I got it on Google. And, you know, it's done. And here are the metrics and everybody's happy. So that part is interesting. Um, I guess the question though is just like, no one can predict uh, in my opinion, of like where new consumer apps come from that are like hugely successful. So that's just the black box. So I think, you know, another way to say monopoly is just to say like, uh, we'd, we'd like more competition here, but we have no idea where it's going to come from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess I could see from an advertising angle, right. To your point that like, if you, if you take the TAM of, of advertising and sort of like see what market share Google and Facebook has, it probably is like frightening. <laughs> from a perspective mm-hmm. of of competition right and so there is that and and then it's all but then it's also just a question of like that seems like a weird like what would you i guess i guess i guess the thing you would do is you would re- you would regulate them somehow about how they sell advertising and require them to have smaller people in their brokerage thing kind of like in the same way that Amazon will show you all, will have their marketplace and show you all the different people who compete with them to sell you a product. I don't know. It's it's like well, the thing to watch. They, they get, you got to get that uh, that Tim Wu dude on it or who? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple things. Guy. one, it's it it's it's unlikely most of the time. Like when the government steps in on these technology monopolies, it's like it doesn't really have any effect. It's like usually something else is what kills off the monopoly. Well, it, it, it slows then, them down. Yeah, for a little I think bit, it, it distracts them. Yeah, you think it so? Distracts okay. them. Yeah, and and I and I like the suggestion over from uh, from you know Ben Thompson, <laughs> patron saint of SDT, um, is you know just don't let Facebook buy any more, enter any new social networks. Like, yeah. well, that's the know, one I, I think mean, that's the most obvious, right? It's like don't let them buy WhatsApp, don't let them buy Instagram, and just just you know essentially make let those make sure those networks live on their own, right? Because then maybe mm-hmm. they get big enough to become like. The, like, well, they already got those. Five. Yeah, to buy. <laughs> um, I know, but that's. I think that's what he always says, right? Go back in time. So, like, Twitter will be the one to watch, right? So, mm. you know, my longstanding prediction that I just keep making, Twitter will be bought. Um, but, like, when it goes up for sale, like, you know, if, if, for example, if Facebook were to try to buy that, you think that would probably get people, like, fired up, right? I could see yeah. where the Congress would step in. Like, maybe if... Amazon, I don't know, maybe somebody else buys them, like the Verizon. What's the new Verizon Yahoo thing Isn't it called? Oh, 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 it's uh, <laughs> if they know that, they probably will be they would be supportive of, right? Uh, so yeah, that'll be that's probably the one that's big enough where or Snap, I guess if Snap were ultimately to sell out to one of those people, you, you'd see somebody get excited. Yeah. But I, I don't know, I just tend to like. I guess I do agree with you, Matt Ray, that it slows them down. I just don't think because again, Microsoft is like usually one case that's often cited. It's like Microsoft did kill Netscape, but it turned out 
Microsoft got distracted with the wrong thing, right? It was really Google, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. other things. So I feel like that's usually what happens here is the government maybe gets involved, but then they don't really understand how technology is going to evolve because nobody does and something else happens. Um, and just like, you know, we just can't predict the next thing that challenges Facebook, but it's obviously being built right now and it'll be great. It's just hard to see it. Man, that, it, so it would just weird me out so much if there was this fervent, is that how you say that? Fervent, multi-year politicized like debate about Facebook buying Twitter. That would just be bizarre. I mean, <laughs> like I, I, I don't, I, it's just be strange, you know. And then, and then, so here, speaking of forward-looking things, here's what I'm looking forward to: some sort of maybe it's already happened. Some sort of we should break these companies up because they are going to nail artificial intelligence and then control us all. That'll be great. That'll be like the confluence of all my favorite tech topics. Is you know, you got the hot oh, dogs. Yes. You got the hot dogs over here. You got the you got the social stream people over here, and then you got AI and machine learning taking over the world. It's just that's gonna be and, that'll be great. Well, you saw the other article that like I think all the journalists in the world were ready to write, whereas you know they sort of portrayed as like Facebook writes an AI that like invents its own language, you know, sort Ooh, of the like Skynet thing. Yeah. And well, then everyone like, uh, had to walk it back. It was just like, oh, man, this is just so bad. It's just like everyone making the Terminator reference. It's like this mm-hmm. is the moment where like you want to shut down the whole internet. Like, it's like we, I'm we, taking we the internet away off. from yeah. everyone. Everybody's stupid. Let's just turn it off, right? But, uh, you know, unfor- I don't know. So I did see enough. I did see a bunch of articles like debunking that pretty quick. So that made me feel a little bit better. Well, you know, speaking of articles that all the journalists wanted to cover in the M&A area – I, I read, I think it was Reuters who covered this, that uh, BMC is actually not going to be buying CA. Now, someone was tweeting oh. at me that this was something like their private equity shop was going to buy CA, not BMC Tech. I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer or, or a corporate lawyer or an eye banker, whatever. But, uh, but it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. We were, we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, hot dog antitrust. And meanwhile, at least as, as you know, the sources who will tell you this, they don't want to be named because this is not a public matter. So I'm not sure who it was uh, that was saying this. <laughs> but they were saying that one of the reasons was BMC was too worried about how long it was going to take the regulatory stuff because they would have such a significant portion of the mainframe software market. So there you have it. The antitrust folks are very concerned about the competitive nature of the mainframe. But do you buy market. this? I don't know. This just like it, uh, I, yeah. These these narratives like always drive me crazy. It's like one narrative is the mainframe's dead, right? It's always dying, but then it's super profit, right? So like uh, that's always funny to me, right? These companies are slowly dying because the mainframe's dying. It's like, well, that doesn't seem to be true. But then when suddenly someone wants to do something, it's like, well, wait a minute. There's an anti-trust issue around this, like either growing or declining market. And so like, to me, it just comes out to like, they could not agree to terms, right? It's like, okay, they like CA and it would be a bad time, right? Because CA and just the stock market, not that I think CA is necessarily, you know, doing all that much better. It's just like, you know, the stock market is real high right now. CA is, you know, training towards like where it's been at the top of its range for a while. The premium you have to pay on top of $31 is probably looking at $38, $39 a share. And it's like, Hey man, this math just doesn't work out, right? Just wait a few years, you know, something will happen, and it, it'll probably mainframes aren't going anywhere. <laughs> if you think about what the BMC deal got done, I think we all know. We all followed that one for <laughs> for probably bad reasons, but you know, BMC had been trading, you know, well, well off its highs for a long period of time, right? And it kind of got done. I don't remember exactly when. I guess it wasn't right in the middle of the Great Recession, but it was. I guess right before it. So like that was a good deal, right? That was a time. So, so to me, it's as simple as that. It's just the math, right? Hey, not a great time to do this kind of deal, but it's inevitable, right? That CA 
you know, probably finds its way into private equity. I mean, if it doesn't, I mean, it would be a miracle. But like, that's a company that's clearly headed that direction. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Look at these CA financials, and uh, you got you got your uh, 2014 4.4 billion revenue, and they had uh, not expenses. This is Cote Reed's Google Finance portion of our show. <laughs> their 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 profits were uh, one billion dollars, and then 2017, 2017. That they're down about four hundred million to four billion dollars in in uh, revenue. Their profit operating income was one point one billion. So that's interesting, huh? They're consistently throwing. They got they got they're like a cash machine. They're very stable of throwing off the cash, but their top line revenue is going down, which is mm. which is. I mean, if you got loans to pay, that's pretty pretty as they used to say in my day, tight in the nineties. Right. So and I uh, think that's where the, yeah. the private equity guys say that if we can get in there and we kind of relieve, if we relieve them of the growth tax, right. The, yeah. the growth burden, yeah. then there's probably, and if, I don't know. I mean, it, I wish BMC obviously doesn't break out its numbers anymore, but if I had to guess, right, is that revenue has probably been very steady. Its expenses has gone down quite a mm-hmm. bit, right. Mm-hmm. Making it very profitable. And you don't, I, I mean, in a good way, right. I don't think BMC is out there like, you know, pounding like, you know, CA is always trying to pound its way into the DevOps world, you know, and it, it just feels like a, you know, a square peg hammer kind of situation there, right? Where it's just like, I don't know, man, that seems like a tough way for CA to go going, you know, in, in the long term. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see. You know, it could also be the, uh, the uh, you know, back when I did m and I, I, I observed a lot of people going through the machinations of uh, not going to happen, it's going to happen, not going to happen over and over again. So, that's that's always enjoyable. I would say I don't know, Cote. I would love your M and A whisperer logic on this. Like it was announced they were talking, and it was super super quiet, which I actually believe is usually an indication like something's really happening, right? Because oh, there wasn't yeah. a lot of like there wasn't a lot of quoting or you know posturing. It seemed like people really got in a room and were trying to look at the numbers, right? And that's why I think they just kind of, they broke it off because the numbers weren't good. And this is a nice way for them to. To kind of like, you know, this is a good way to say like, hey, we want to do a deal in the future. We can't do one right now. Let's and let's just all just agree that we're going to say that we're a little bit worried about this uh, regulation thing. No one has to, you know, let's not leak anything. Yeah, yeah. Let's not be nasty about it. Let's just be like, hey, it just, you know, and then something else happens down the road. You can come back together real quick. It's like dating that girl, right? And you're dating the girl, and you're like. Well, I'm just I'm just going on a business trip. I'll be back, right? You know, we're like, well. I'm we're not gonna ready talk. To get serious. We're, yeah, we're just gonna talk. Your stock I'm, price hits thirty. I'm gonna call you. <laughs> listen, I got, just got. A, I got. I got the uh, the expat thing for a year. I'm gonna send to go to Australia for a year. I'm gonna be back. Let's <laughs> let's not let's uh, not pretend. That, you know, we we don't hate each other. I'll be back, but I'm gonna be away. But we'll be back. That's exactly how it goes. Yeah. Oh, I love you, BMC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I I would assume in this situation. And and this all may sound judgmental, but it's pretty good for for M and A stuff, right? Because you don't want a lot of drama, right? That one, uh, I don't think there's any like strong personalities at either company. I don't really know the PE firms that own maybe the PE firms crazy or something, but like everyone's probably pretty even even headed. Is it even headed? Pretty cool and rational. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Versus like you know, there's other other deals that one because of the sheer size of it. Or because there's like wacky personalities involved, it's like it's just crazy town, right? But I imagine in this case, it's just sort of like very somber dueling 
uh, screenshots of Excel, Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoint, <laughs> right? Just like yeah. just people going over stuff. Of, and uh, yeah, screenshots of the of the power of the uh, of the Excel, so you can't change the numbers. Yeah, yeah, and and they're probably just you know they're trying to find that number that works. That that works out mm. for him, and uh, yeah. Oh, that does sound like sexy times. Oh, sexy time number that works. <laughs> uh, well, we don't really have time to cover it, but uh, also I think there was an official uh, EOLing of Flash covered by oh. uh, covered by several people. I think I, I, if I remember it, it well, uh, you know, uh, you know, over in the Red Monk blog, there's coverage of it, and you know, I, I uh, there's there's a special place in my historic history, my timeline. Of uh, of for Flash, I spent a lot of time with uh, Adobe when I was at Red Monk, trying to figure out, help them figure out developer stuff around RIA. Mm-hmm. Maybe the kids out there don't realize this, but that was a big deal at one point. That was a thing. I, you had uh, you had Zuckerberg saying the future was HTML5. This native mobile stuff was nonsense. And then you, uh, what did you have? You had Adobe putting an iPhone in a blender. That was fun. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Kevin Lynch works at uh, works at Apple demoing the apple watch and now mm. here we are no more flash Mm-mm. there's a lot of flash games out there though my kids are still playing those yeah yeah <laughs> think about the say, children i was gonna say think the children the children have not gotten the memo i was uh, helping my son on, on the web and uh, his games play quite a bit of flash so yeah. so no, flash no, is no. going to be relegated to that you know you're gonna have to install it when you're a uh, child wants to play some arcade game, and you're just like, "Oh, geez, you know." We're open up the security vulnerabilities just for uh, just so you can walk around this uh, yeah. fantasy world and kill things. Yeah, I have well. not. My son has not been introduced to the wonderful world of real computers. He's still basically mm. to him iOS on his iPad is kind of the world. And oh, it's always great. Now you need to get you need to expose him to a mouse before it's too late because uh. it is. You, that's the moment where you get to learn like, wow, the mouse. Else is really a stupid device. You're like yeah. when you watch a child interact with it. You're like, yeah, this is not this is not well thought out at all. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. Well, uh, you know, as a reminder, if you want if you want to hear our our member only podcast, you should go to uh, Patreon.com/sdt. Maybe maybe after we do five or so episodes, we'll slip one of them in here as bonus content. Brandon and I were thinking we should uh, do some little fancy edit, little infomercial. But let's be honest, I'm never gonna find the time for that. So I, I might just dump one of the episodes in here. I don't want to cheat the 11, soon to be, I'm sure, 300 after this plea of uh, people who, who get it. But, you know, maybe after we do five or so, I'll put one in. But you should go check that out. It's like if you enjoy us explaining, uh, what, what would you call it? What, what could be the, the Portman 2 I could make? We could call it uh, industry splaining, if you will, or something. Got to work on that. But uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's all it is, chock full of that. Just You can just go sign up with that in our, our Patreon account. But this week... We'll go. We'll come back here. What's the recommendations we have? Let's start with you, Brandon. All right. This week I uh, had a chance to watch Ozark. It's the latest uh, Netflix series starring uh, Jason Bas- Jason Bateman as a uh, as a guy that's run into some issues, and he's uh, taking his family to the Ozarks uh, to uh, figure it out. And I found it. Um, it's. It, I don't. By no means am I saying it's as good, but I just want to say it sort of has like themes of like a breaking bad kind of thing or damages if you've seen any of those shows just sort of like where maybe kind of a average guy finds himself in some makes some uh unique decisions and finds himself in some awkward situations so it's uh on netflix now i think it's 10 episodes 
of course, it's all available. So it's very, very much binge-worthy. So if you're traveling uh, to to Singapore from uh, Australia, Matt and you're looking for download, ten, download it. Yeah. Ten, 10 hours of content. That's a good one to uh, download onto your device before the plane takes off. There you go. Well, I'll go ahead and talk. Uh, my my ten hours of content that I'm I'm getting through right now is uh, the USA series, Mr. Robot. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this one before. I think so. Um, I think I recommended this one, and it was <laughs> it was very Brandon, good. So I'm just Brandon, <laughs> let me have this one. I know. Uh, someday, someday. <laughs> season one um, was great. Season one. Season one. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I I am am getting through season one. Uh, I'm sure I will find season two somewhere, uh, and uh, you know, watch it on my my long flights here and there. Um, you know, actually, usually I'm watching <laughs> recordings of meetings um, that happened at you know two o'clock in the morning for me, so I don't I don't watch that much on the flights. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 definitely enjoying Mr. Robot right now. Uh, we'll see how long how long the the uh, love affair lasts. But uh, yeah, that's my pick. If you like, um, you know, cyberpunky kind of stuff in a modern day setting with just a heavy dose of of. Uh, uh, Fight Club, you know the whole like blowing up the credit industry thing. Uh, it's pretty good stuff, and it's got Christian Slater, right? Who, who right. doesn't love his uh, swarmy right. mug? And you know, for a while, I think it's kind of rotated out. But like on the on the security conference circuit, uh, I think when this originally came out, which was maybe last year, year before, it was like that was the thing everyone was having the actors from Mr. Robot, you know, oh to come God. by do like a Q and A. It's like Rami, Sammy, what's the guy's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What um, what what was like, it? What is it like to portray a hacker? Wow, Kote, these are the guys that pay the bills. Just so <laughs> yeah. you know, okay, Kote is saying that. Like, hey, I mean, we love you all, all the <laughs> listeners. It's fine. Come by, ask the questions. It was good. So, mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of training do you go? Do you go to an Apple Genius Bar so you can learn what computers are like? In episode three, you clearly tried to use SSH v two. Jeez, yes. What, I, is, I what are your What are your thoughts on the fish terminal on OS ten? <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> oh man, uh, this is my life. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I I am the person who I think last week or the week before tweeted that I don't I don't understand when conference organizers invite like celebrities who have nothing to do with tech. It's just, you know, it's a sweep the corners, sweep the corners. That's what you got to do. Anyhow, well, my recommend, I, I, as always, I have, I have, let's call it two and a half. I, I have, not as always, I have more than one recommendation. One, speaking of things we've recommended before, I just wanted to re-recommend, this is a, was a Matt Ray recommendation, the Base IQ micro SD card adapter for your, yeah. uh, for your late model MacBooks, MacBook Airs, right? So basically, I uh, I, uh, I forget why I did this. I think because some SD cards were on sale for for Prime Day or something. Which man, Prime Day, my gosh, you got to watch out for that stuff. That's crazy. Yep. But uh, it's it's this little thing. If you don't if you don't remember from episode fifteen or whatever, it's 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 all silver and it's a micro SD card adapter that is completely flush with the SD card thing. So if you got one of these uh, Mac Airs. It's only got a 128 gig hard drive. You can just slap in a 256 gig micro SD card, and boom! Suddenly, you can start using iPhotos again, which I don't really recommend. Yep. It's a piece of crap. Uh, <laughs> <Boy>. So don't <laughs> Google Photos, huh? Google We're Photos. 
<laughs> Love the Google Photos. At, at, at Grandma's house. Gotcha. <laughs> at Grandma's house, washing laundry, uploading photos. So, yeah, you should get yourself one of those. Those are good. Also, I was, I was at Ikea this weekend, and I noticed in their fabric section. First, did you realize that Ikea has a fabric section? That's kind of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they have something that's called the Stun Sig, which basically I think one of their designers on their lunch break doodled out this this uh, picture of, of a wolf looking over its shoulder with its mouth <laughs> open. It's unclear if the wolf is happy, scared, or about to eat something, which makes it I delightful. And so I got one of these T-shirts. It's a great shirt. One, it's like $7. Now, I got it in large. That's my normal size. And then I washed it. You might want to get an extra large. It's got some shrinkage on it. But uh, it's a good shirt. It's kind of like I feel like this shirt is my compromise for someone my age. I should be wearing Ed Hardy shirts and, like, other shirts that have, like, big, gigantic things on them. And this is a good sort of compromise for that. So it's kind of age-appropriate, poor life choices in a T-shirt. I'm wearing wearing it right now. I'll put a link to it. Wow. So the the best thing about this T-shirt is I click on it and it sends me to IKEA Indonesia. So uh, you can get this for one hundred ninety nine thousand rupees. Oh yes, that is interesting. I guess maybe that's what I linked to, but I don't know. I don't know what a rupiah is. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but anyways, you should check that shirt out. It's good, and 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 buy it one size larger than you think you might want to. Uh, my second one. Speaking of being age appropriate, I've been experimenting. Uh, as as I, I think I think Matt Ray knows, but I kind of console with Brandon a lot more on this. You know, parenthood. I was not prepared, and so I've been I've been trying some strategy, which I am just going to title. Maybe this would be a good self help book called "Try Not Giving a Shit." And uh, so far, this past week, it's worked out really well. I feel kind of distressed. Things are okay. I basically just try to make it so the kids don't kill each other, and you know they eat. And and that they're they're being enriched and everything, but I'm trying not to impose my my thinking that they should be perfect children on them and um, get upset with them when they don't do that. We'll see how this works next week. Could be dicey. I'm gonna take a take a take a note from that. Uh, I will try as as well <laughs> to right. give less shits. That's right. I, I think I think what I need to do is I need to do one of those. I'm gonna do one of those Amazon Kindle singles, little thirty forty page ebook. I might have to fire up Scrivener so I can output an EPUB, and uh, and then I'll just it's be called uh, not giving a shit. Anyway, well, I, that just goes to the whole like Kindle spam market though. There's already the book uh, The Art of Not Giving a Fuck or something like that. Mm. So you need to to you know SEO off of that name and say you know The Art of Not Giving a Shit, a Kindle single, ninety nine cents. Yes, and change your name to something almost the same as the author, but just you know two characters different. That's how the Kindle store works. That's right. Yeah, no, that's good. I, and I'll start with an epigraph from, I forget which song this is, but it's, uh, if you don't give a shit, we don't give a fuck. So it'll just, mm. it'll just up, I think. <laughs> what? I feel like I should do one anti-recommendation. I did listen to that book on Audible, and it's like, you know what, actually, the title actually tells you everything that's in the book. So there you go. Like, sometimes we talk about, like, maybe this book should be even shorter. No, no. If you just read the title, that's all. That was See? the entire book. This full circle. That is why I use long titles. Right there. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> well, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk, episode 101. If you want to get the full show notes, including bonus links that we didn't cover, actually not that many, but uh, maybe I'll try to put them in. You can go to Software Defined Talk slash, I guess you got to put a com in there, Software Defined Talk dot com slash 101. You can also find the numerous places Matt Ray will be not with his family 
over the next few months, uh, talking, doing things, walk up to them, ask them about compliance as code, uh, all sorts of whatever. I don't know. What should people ask you about, Matt Ray? Should they bring you anything? <laughs> um, you know, just say hi. Just, just you know, whatever you want to talk about. I, I'm game. Just say hi and bring the regional vegetarian food. He's very interested in that. So let's talk about IKEA in your country. That's, that's right. That's right. We're in hot negotiations with Costco now, and us talking about IKEA is just putting the screws on them. Now I'm a little Whoa. concerned about the mainframe antitrust implications of this switchover. So we'll have to see what uh, confidential sources have to say. Anyhow, also if you want to, uh, despite despite uh, how much I would like to help out our friend our friend Tasty Meets Paul and move our Slack channel to like hang ops or whatever kind of nonsense all the kids are in. We have our own Slack channel that thanks to JJ, I don't have to approve your invitation. You just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, my slink slash Slack, or, you know, just find it in the tab up there and you can join the Slack channel. What does that get you? One, we now put all the links we're going to talk about in a channel there. So you can read ahead if you want. And we have a uh, on and off delightful conversation in, in the, uh, the software defined talk channel, things like that. I don't know. It doesn't really get you much, but you can get another little icon in your Slack sidebar. You can collect them all. And uh, you can you can raz, raz Tasty Meets Paul that he should just man up and add that Slack channel in there. <laughs> and with that... See you soon. We'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.